0: Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Mike and I'm here with Wade in our studio Hello. and we're continuing our Winging It series on the life of Martin Luther. Um, we must be in episodes, I don't know,
1: 40, 40, 40? Session
0: 40, session, session number 40. So uh, we've got gotten to the mid 1520s, if I am correct. And from time to time, well,
1: we've. The catechisms. We made it to the
0: yeah late 1520s. Yeah. So we're making some progress, and occasionally we take a break and dedicate a session to one individual. We've done Katie Luther. We've done uh, Zwingli. Zwingli. Um, we've done quite a few. Frederick. Or Frederick, Frederick the Wise. Did we do John Frederick yet?
1: I think we may have. I not um, remember. I'm not positive. I think we did Cronish.
0: Chronic. We did Chronic. Yep. And today we're going to do Johannes Bugenhagen. Johannes Boogie Buk- baby. I'll be your Bougenhagen. <laughs> <laughs> Johannes Bugenhagen is kind of an interesting character because he is a close friend of Luther. He's Luther's pastor. He is a part he's probably most famously known for his administrative skills. Um, doing some of the hard work in different territories uh, when it came to what does a church look like and what does a church local congregation or a territory do if they have gone over to the Reformation side. Um, I'm going to briefly give us some biographical information, and then we can highlight some of the things why we think he is important. So he is born... Be- before you, Go you do ahead.
1: Mike anything? Can I tell our audience anything you maybe did lately? Mm-mm. Nothing. Mm-mm. The, uh, so I'll share with, uh, the audience, I, I suppose I can't say it's fact, but, but accusation, but there's been, uh, stuff going missing from my office, some of which I recover and some of which I find in interesting places. And there's only, uh, two people besides campus public safety that have, have keys to my office. One was, is, one is Peter, who's an extremely pious man. And I, I cannot, uh, in fact, when Peter breaks into my office, he just leaves, like, prayer cards and stuff, So, mm-hmm. which is very nice of him. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I lost all my business cards at mm-hmm. one point, and uh, those have never come up again. And uh, at one point, some of my business cards were put under my door. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, I would say consensus. Ben and Peter seem to back me up on this. Peter says it's not him. Mm-hmm. Um, is it perhaps Mike? Yeah. Did that, um, And I uh, recently had a book, an expensive book, a book uh, Mike and I had been using together that I found in the humanities office in a, uh, in a box. Mm-hmm. A box of your stuff. <laughs> um, well, we don't need to get too bogged down. Uh, but uh, anything maybe you'd like to admit, Mike?
0: No. Um, so just for our readers, whenever something goes wrong in Wade's life, he blames me. <laughs> And then I ignore it. So that's my version of the story. Did you story. not
1: enjoy when I was looking for it? Did you seem to be <laughs> no, very much enjoying.
0: I laugh. I laugh at you, not with you, when okay. it comes to those. So there's
1: things. nothing you would like to admit.
0: Uh, there's nothing to admit.
1: I would just like to say to our listeners: if I uh, if I ever go missing, uh, or if anything happens of uh, you know, in some disaster to my office, mm-hmm. I would like people to. Uh, To take a look at my good friend, the Reverend Dr. Michael Berg.
0: You know, that's fair. I have nothing to hide. I would say, however, though, that um, I'm probably your only friend who is like, I really like you to go to the doctor and looks out for you that way.
1: Uh, You you mentioned the doctor thing. You're a doctor. I'm with you right now.
0: I'm not that kind of doctor, (laughs) and I don't want to take a look.
1: Um, All right, well, I... uh, I think at the very least, does this mean uh, I get a key to your office? Will we have a circle of trust. Oh,
0: absolutely not! I would not give you a key to anything that I own. I don't trust you.
1: All right. Well, to be fair, the main reason I gave Mike a key to my office is because I frequently (laughs) lock myself out. out. (laughs) So um, there was some self-interest in in having done so. It's not like I mean, you you can can have have the key back if you want. No, I want you to have it because I do lock myself out, and you're here pretty regularly. Yeah,
0: yeah. That's up to you. It's I, I. I have nothing I wouldn't if I were to pull a prank on you, it would be more elaborate than kind of the small little
1: But the little we, things almost get to someone more.
0: I get that. But I, I don't like that's not my style. I'm gonna What was the other thing? There was I'm gonna something put something got big,
1: moved in my office too. I don't remember what oh, it you was. you got
0: also everything that goes wrong, you blame me. My is put a big Michigan Poster on your bulletin board That's uh, very
1: obvious Which was rather rude Because I gave Mike A nice friendship Present before that uh, That
0: was I believe that was A piece of trash You found <laughs> in your office
1: Well still Okay Alright well I've got us distracted Johannes Bugenhagen Johannes Bugenhagen You're going to give us I believe you said His, his early life yeah, Just kind of
0: a, a biographical sketch Okay 1485 Born in Volin, uh, Pomerania So
1: about a Same age as Luther A little younger
0: Modern day Poland Right
1: Pomerania, uh, those of you who had the late professor um, Deutschlander at Martin Luther College, uh, he used to talk about pomers yeah. quite mm-hmm. often, in fact, if you messed up your German on the board or something like that, he would sometimes say, you know, ach, you pomer. Mm-hmm. Um, so you, you're familiar with pomer or pomerania. Yep. Many Wisconsin synod people, you go to German Fest in Milwaukee, which I highly recommend. Um, they got a tent where you can look at ancestry. A lot of the uh a lot of the Wisconsin Synod Lutherans have their ancestry there. So we're thinking eastern and northern. Um, what sometimes in the past we've talked about the Polish quarter, mm-hmm. right? But this land that historically is kind of passed between Poland and Germany, and then Germany made a bit of a mistake twice in the twentieth century where they went to war with the world mm. um and the second time the world was like you don't get Pomerania mm-hmm. anymore
0: you don't get to have it no anymore. more
1: and uh so now it's in Poland at that for it, now for now for we'll now say. we'll see uh-huh. until the next war maybe Angela will get real worked up here <laughs> and um
0: correct me if I'm wrong low German they're going to speak Low German there. A
1: Plattdeutsch, I think. Isn't that associated with that? It could develops, be. Yeah.
0: which I think plays a role that Bugenhagen is going to be help, uh, helpful to Luther in some of the translations of right. work of and
1: Right, and Bugenhagen's German, if you read it, is, um, a, it's a readable German. It's, it's a conversational German, yeah. So
0: 1485 uh, in Pomerania, um, he goes to university, studies the classics, um, graduates 1502, um, goes, uh, is ordained a priest in 1509 becomes a rector at the age of 19, by the way, I believe that is, that is correct. I mean, remembering that's being, I read that so You know
1: what I had done by the age of 19?
0: Um, not much.
1: I took the lions to the Super Bowl in Madden.
0: Oh, did you? <laughs> that is quite an accomplishment. Yeah. All right. So uh, early 1520s, he hears about this Luther stuff. He writes to Luther. I believe that Luther writes back and gives him a copy of Freedom of yeah. you know Christian. What the Christian. You know
1: what the work he read by Luther was that got him started? Freedom of the No. So this is 1520. Before that. He reads Babylonian Captivity of the ah, Church.
0: And then Luther sends him.
1: Yeah. Here. So he's right in the mix of the big three treatises of 1520, which we did a session on.
0: And he is... Um, it's it's um, contemporary. This is not something that he reads right. years later. This is hot off the presses.
1: And I would say, I'd note with that too, Mike, I don't know about you, but as I as I have dug more into Bugenhagen over time, uh, the first time I found that out, I was kind of surprised that it was 1520s already. I kind of expected him to be in Wittenberg. Yep. He's such a figure there that you kind of think he's just one that was right along with it the whole time, yep. but he's going to come from the outside. Um, so fifteen twenty is going to be a big year for him.
0: Yep, and then he uh, travels to Wittenberg, right? He is attracted to this, and he does um, some lecturing on the side. He doesn't have his uh, doctorate in theology, uh, but probably the my probably the most important thing about him. You
1: know, one of the reasons he had to start teaching was the Wittenberg was missing a professor who was pulled up in the Wartburg, yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So, um, and I was just going to get to that. Bugenhagen, when he's staying there, coming to to study under Luther in the midst of all of this excitement. Um, Luther's gone to the Wartburg, and so probably has a very strong relationship with Melanchthon, stays with Melanchthon, uh-huh. lives there, and so... He's
1: a newcomer to Wittenberg when everything's starting to get a little crazy with the uh, with Karlstadt a little bit going off the rails, and you have these Vigil prophets coming. Um, so he's going to be new there, but kind of have to be a studying force.
0: Yeah, so he is a... I, I, is he attracted to the excitement? Um, I, who knows? But he certainly has been somebody who seems to have that steady hand in the midst yeah. of all of this chaos. He gets I, thrown I, in.
1: I always picture this. So Luther's at the Vortburg and then start kind of, oh, hell starts breaking loose in Wittenberg. And that's always if I made like the Luther movie, this mm-hmm. would be like where the, um, what is it, ACDC, where it's like, Thundad. hmm you know Thunder What is it Thunderstruck mm-hmm. Thunderstruck Carl starts Smashing statues mm-hmm. And dressing like a peasant And then Bugenhagen Is kind of like Whoa 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 And is also there to um, Kind of with Melanchthon Hopefully try to keep Luther um, Informed And to study things
0: So attracted to To Luther And has correspondence. Is that a good song
1: to, For that though Mike? It,
0: we probably could find Something better But I you are after I, I get it
1: Because you know You get the right. The little guitar yeah. thing Yeah
0: It's not bad um, but so is influenced by Luther, but is also influenced by Melanchthon. Cuts his teeth in the early 1520s in Wittenberg, and probably I think again what is probably the most important part of his uh, career is that he is going to be elected by the town council. Obviously, with there's going to be some um, influence from uh, people from the faculty of Wittenberg. To be pastor at Saint Mary's Church.
1: At the Stadtkirche, the city church.
0: It's a big deal, yeah. right? And so he literally becomes the pastor of these great reformers. And you know
1: where he's staying, by the way, when he first moves to Wittenberg.
0: At Melanchthon's house. Yeah. Right.
1: So this, uh, he is. If you ever want to get a, a take on these two great figures of Wittenberg, Melanchthon and Luther, Bugenhagen's the man about for that, because kind of in his the stuff he writes, you get a. a I would say a, a very fair and pastoral mm-hmm. appraisal of both.
0: Yeah, so I, I think the pastor of the Reformation maybe is something like a title yeah. that we could we could give him, and he is going to be influential not just in the nitty gritty of setting up churches that we've already mentioned, but he's going to write he's going to write against Zwingli. He's the first to get married, which actually is probably good for the Reformation because I believe <laughs> he player. had he had a uh, chance to go be pastor in Hamburg. But uh, they rescinded that call. I, they wouldn't have called it that way, probably, um, when they found out that he was married. He is the one that marries Luther. He's the one who buries Luther. He speaks um, against Zwingli. He he's is Luther's
1: pr- bike fodder, his father confessor.
0: He is the one he is going to help with uh, uh, the, the, uh, the issue with Agricola, all this kind of stuff. And so he's a talent. He's like he's like one of the guys that you he's really at Grace
1: need. at the Wittenberg potlucks.
0: He is the one that you really need <laughs> on your side, like, to get stuff done. Like, Luther can pop off. Melanchthon can, you know, do his uh, um, in-the-corner nerdy kind of stuff. But Bugenhagen, I think, is steady hand, but also one that can get some stuff done. So I think he's he's pretty... uh, perhaps he's underrated a little bit.
1: Yeah. Every year when they had the Wittenberg church festival, they had a dunk tank mm-hmm. and it was always, Buchen- everybody
0: loved Bugenhagen, yeah, right? Cause he's the pastor. Right, right? He's the pastor him. and he never gets angry
1: and at so everybody. He'd, he'd get dunked. And then Luther would yell out, ah, <laughs> because he was the Anabaptist and baptism. And <clears throat> Oh, it was a fun time.
0: Those are good times. Rotten. <laughs> um, so Bugenhagen, um, uh, very early is involved in the theology. He does get his degree and he does teach at the university. So he probably has a half call. We might call him. He's his halftime at St. Mary's and half time at the university. But very quickly, before I before you say anything, very quickly, he is going to become somebody that's sought after outside of Wittenberg and he is going to be traveling quite a bit, helping other territories and uh congregations and princes uh grapple uh pastorally and administratively with the reformation and even i mean he finally he gets to the point where he crowns the king of uh denmark christian the third so he's kind of an important guy yeah
1: so just note there what was i doing mike you're raising your hand (laughs) yeah because i figured we got to the point in the episode that people are gonna be like wade's interrupting too much so so see i get a sense for that um when he first writes to luther can I throw in an interesting tidbit? Go ahead, yeah. And I highly recommend um, the writings of Martin Lorman, uh, an acquaintance I've met a couple times with other stuff. Nice. And uh, he writes a fair amount about Bugenhagen. And so um, the two journal articles I looked at for this are Faith and Good Works, the Formation of the Lutheran Church through Johannes Bugenhagen by Lorman, um, who wrote it on the retirement of Kurt Hendel, who is the, <coughs> excuse me, the main editor for the two-volume uh, selected writings of Johannes Bugenhagen that have come out in translation, these critical volumes, which I would also highly re- If you follow Fortress, like sometimes they'll have these amazing deals. I think I got these for like $15. Normally they're $80. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, but then secondly, Bugenhagen's Pastoral Care of Martin Luther. But just interesting tidbit, Mike, Hmm. He reads the Babylonian captivity of the church, and he writes to Luther, and his question is, he asks him for a modus vivendi, a way of living, according to this new theology, um, which is a very interesting question to ask, right, when you're encountering the gospel of uh, um, the good news of Jesus Christ and justification by grace through faith alone. And Luther replied, you have written that I should prescribe you a modus vivendi, True Christians do not need moral precepts, for in faith the Spirit leads them to everything which God wills and which brotherly love demands. And then he sent him freedom of a Christian. Mm -hmm. So um, Lorman points out how this connection between faith and works would make Bugenhagen a a very good pastor um, to be um, concerned with the Christian life as a whole. But just an interesting question, you can see the influence that Erasmus had had on Bugenhagen earlier. Um, that he assumes there must be some right as Erasmus would advocate, kind of the the simple Christian life, the apostolic life, and uh, so it's interesting these companions of Luther to see what really strikes them right at first as they read things, and so I thought that was an interesting uh, tidbit that uh, Loriman includes. Maybe you mentioned, Mike, so maybe we can hit on uh, Kirchenordnungen, right? Mm-hmm. Church orders. Um, we've mentioned in a couple previous sessions, we've kind of made a connection to church constitutions, right? But I'm guessing, Mike, when you were in Woodlake, your church constitution, I don't expect you to remember exactly how many, but page range? Oh, I don't know, 10? Yeah. And I would say at Christ, mine was... Maybe more. Maybe 12 to 20. Yeah. Some of these are 200 pages, mm. right? So maybe... If we can unpack a little bit what these church orders were and I don't know if you want to go first or if you want me to give thoughts first uh, week, but. go ahead
0: but just it's it's not really when we say constitution, we're thinking an American set it's a it's a um, policy um, kind of politi- it's almost a, a political kind of thing I'm to, polity church politics yeah. is what we think about and not we would we would not put in there. Um, you have to use this hymnal. You have to have this kind of stuff or whatever. Generally speaking, in our time, we wouldn't do those things. Um, so it's it's definitely the American less is more kind of thing, who's in charge, and that's sort How of— How often does the council have yeah, to Yeah, so um, different than what Bugenhagen is talking about.
1: Yeah, so these could run into the hundreds of pages. And um, because the parish often wasn't just one— church or one parish either. This would be for an area. Um, in many ways, this was both a political and a religious document, um, how the church would be supported, right, who was members of the church. Um, and it would go into, to Buchenhagen's credit, one of the things I really appreciate about what he did with these church orders is he could have gone in and just wrote a bare bones thing like we do with the Constitution, but these are often very catechetical. So here's what we're going to do with hymns. Here's why we're going to do that. Um, so these were important not only for setting up the institution of the church in these areas, but um, providing what would hopefully be a lasting rationale for the polity, for the practice. And these would include as well, here's the theological basis. This is what we preach at this church. Now, we have it easy now because we can say we uphold the the Lutheran Confessions um, if we're being fancy, we say the unaltered Augsburg Confession, we hold to the canonical books of the scriptures, um, or the canonical scriptures. Right? Buchenhagen has to articulate a fair amount here. And so these church orders, it's not that Buchenhagen just had a mind for organization, which he did. Um, but in many ways they're uh, they're catechetical as well.
0: Yeah, so um and when you think about um you think about Bugenhagen going into um, different areas. First of all, again, to point out that he's going to be talking to the local prince, right? I mean, this is not just a, a congregation. Prince,
1: Duke, King, town council, if it's a...
0: Whatever, and, and remember that every every situation is going to be different there. And that um, you're you're going into places where... There is not going to always be, and maybe even very rarely be, a solid theological grounding that has resulted in good catechetical and worship and devotional practices, right? So, but kind of fun, like these are people that says, we're not doing very well. Bugenhagen is the answer to his original question, to Luther, right? Well, then what do we do, right? Right. And so Bugenhagen, after you know, I mean, thoroughly understanding that it's you know grace alone, you still have to like set stuff up or whatever. Yep. So he
1: and so, while Luther's writings will have influence throughout Europe, Bugenhagen actually Bugenhagen actually takes Lutheranism personally mm-hmm. yep. to more places.
0: Yep. And as we said before, even as the highest rank, high as the the King of of Denmark, Christian the right. Third. Right. So
1: have you ever crowned anybody?
0: I have not crowned anybody. I'm hoping. The problem is, you know, who knows what happens in the United States, what kind of government we're going to have in a couple of years. Um, but if we do fall back into some sort of local prince, monarch kind of thing.
1: Maybe like crown the Duke of Wauwatosa. Well,
0: right. And then, you know, I'd have to get back into the parish. And then, I mean, I was, I was the bishop of Woodlake. Right. Because I was the only pastor in Woodlake. So I just took that title. Which is how some titles kind of work. Like you're like, well, default, I'm that, and then yeah. it gets handed down, and then like 200 years later, you forget that it was just. That's by how a lot default. of towns like
1: corner works too. Like, you know, Houston, where my wife's from, Alex Corner, but I have a feeling like a lot of towns, it's like, this dude's really good at telling if people are dead. Yeah. And then you just become town corner. Yep. So there's um, a guy back where my wife's from uh, for the the sewage treatment. um. I guess the story is told that back in a uh, high school, or whatever, his name was Poopsie. and uh, then he went on to be the guy for the sewage treatment mm-hmm. thing. And people must have thought, Poopsie's really a—he's uh, he's got really you know, good with the poop. Right? Let's just do uh, it. Yeah.
0: Right. I know that makes sense. So I'm not saying that it's impossible that I would uh, crown somebody someday. Right. But um, it's probably highly unlikely. But it is kind of an inter. To be serious, it's kind of an interesting thing. And that, it was
1: super important at that time. Yeah,
0: I mean, why was that important? I mean, you're going all the way back, even you know, Charlemagne yep. kind of stuff. What? Why? Let's be serious. Why is that so important? There was
1: a statement there that it wasn't, you know, the Pope or a papal representative doing right. it.
0: Right, and then but even further than that, why does the secular person even have to be crowned by a spiritual person in the first place, right? Uh, we're not talking necessarily divine rights of kings, but that idea of that this is God ordained, right? This is the this is the authority, the Fourth Commandment authority that's over you. Um, this is le- it legitimizes uh, someone's reign, right? <laughs> so, and then you're right, Bugenhagen, a Lutheran instead of uh, um, the Pope, was a was a statement too.
1: <laughs> Do you have a good crowning <laughs> song? <laughs>
0: um. Would you do like "We Are the Champions" or something like that? That's a
1: pretty good one.
0: Yeah.
1: Uh, I, I haven't got a lot of ACDC and Guns N' Roses on my mind today. I got to think of something. You kind of need something majestic. I'm yeah. almost thinking like something '80s that was like, yeah. oh, like a rock synthesized, ballad, synthesized, you know.
0: Well, that's a good question though. Like, who Gets to pick the the song. Like, if it's a walk up song in baseball, it's the. It's the uh, it's the the batter himself. Is it the person crowning?
1: Oh, I got or the song. is the
0: person that is is the one being crowned yeah. gets to pick that?
1: I've got the song, though. Okay. It's the, all I do is win, 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 no matter what. I don't know that. You don't know? Everybody's hands go up. Could be. And they stay there. And they stay there. <laughs> <laughs> the,
0: I don't think would have would have chosen that song, but... Who knows?
1: But I bet Christian would have.
0: Yeah, Christian the third. Because if you're know.
1: if you're in power, you're there to win. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. Okay, so Bugenhagen, um, we should mention just a few things. He did. He was published, right? He had uh, some commentaries on um, on some of
1: Job or Jonah. He does one.
0: Jonah, Jeremiah, Matthew, Romans. Um, he also, I think, he had a history of of maybe the area he was from that didn't get published until like. The, 1800s or something like that. So he's got his he's got a lot of irons in the fire, right? And maybe I'll ask you this question, what is Bugenhagen's relationship with Luther? How important is that? Luther needs Bugenhagen and when Bugenhagen's on the road trying to set up these uh, churches for the reformation, these territories for the reformation, Luther has to pick up some of the slack on preaching at St. Mary's. Um, so he's important that way, but how was he also important to to Luther spiritually?
1: Yeah, and this was, I thought, as as we wrap up, the big kind of conversation we had to have before we do. Um, probably outside of maybe Katie, no one probably knew Luther more in his vulnerability, um, and in his um, confidence, right? Not confidence, like. Um, he's sure of himself, but like things you wouldn't want shared with others. Uh, Then perhaps Bugenhagen. Bugenhagen hears Luther's confessions. Um, There's some great (coughs) uh, lines um, that are recorded either by Bugenhagen or by Luther in his table talk or otherwise. Um, A Bugenhagen having both a gentle word but sometimes a sarcastic word for Luther to try to kind of um, bring him out of some struggles he had we need to remember Luther struggled with depression or melancholy, as it would have been called then. Um, in the later part of his life, Luther struggles uh, with many uh, physical ailments, so that there's, there's a number of times at which they're concerned Luther might die, and Bugenhagen is, is summoned to be there. Um, and as Lorman talks about, Bugenhagen and Jonas um, even have where they write accounts about Luther and how he's facing death. And it turns out then, you know, he doesn't die then, um, but he was the one who heard as Luther looked pack, back on his life about the things that Luther struggled with, right? Um, what, would, what would happen to his wife and, and kids after he died? Um, what would happen to the churches that now had adopted his teachings uh, after he died? Um, had he been too harsh or too gentle with people, and what he had uh, written, could he have done a better job on this or on that? Um, and so Bugenhagen is going to get a um, a very rounded view of Luther. Many of us view Luther, maybe maybe the the historian who's not a um, doing confessional history. Meaning, he's not a, he's not Lutheran necessarily. Has an interest in Luther as a historical figure, and so he's going to look at the great events Luther did. And then, for good measure, he's going to throw in a couple things, you know, on the Jews and their lies, and um, and that Luther, uh, you know, the peasants wore or whatever to say. Oh, look, he had mistakes too. Um, or as a confessional Lutheran, we're often looking at the great stands he took and the, and the teachings that he was so adamant about. Um, but Bugenhagen gets a very human view. Of Luther um, and is able to continue on in a very pastoral way with him. And he cares for Luther pastorally in a particularly Lutheran way, right? Um, he's, he's sharing the gospel with him. He's absolving him. He's communing him. Uh, Lorman makes an excellent point that part of the reason Luther got so bitter and so vehement uh, and polemical about the Lord's Supper later in life as, is that Luther had almost died a few times and the Lord's Supper was what Bugenhagen had brought to him for comfort, right? And so he sees those denying the presence of Christ as robbing people of that comfort that uh, Luther had come to know on his presumed deathbed from the hands and from the mouth of Bugenhagen, who was the one who was called to bring him the gospel and grace. Um, Jonas other uh, also sometimes being called to do this. So I would say... When we think of the academic, like who is the academic we would most put with Luther, right? Who Who is the academic he was most close with? It, it's Melanchthon, right? Um, they're both, uh, I would say, geniuses, right? Theological uh, geniuses. Bugenhagen is no, um, you know, slouch. Uh-huh. Um, but when we think of Lutheran theology in practice, when we think of pastoral care, who Luther is closest with, um, it would be Bugenhagen, right? So when he's at the university, he's working with Melanchthon and with Bugenhagen, but especially with Melanchthon. Melanchthon is going to shape the curriculum of the university. Um, but in the parish, he's a, a fellow pastor with Bugenhagen, and Bugenhagen is his pastor. And so I think that that um, makes, in and of itself, makes Bugenhagen worthy of study. Um, but it's also Bugenhagen that Luther keeps sending out when he needs someone to go to a territory and, and teach them what it is. To be faithful Christians and how to pastor and minister. Bugenhagen's the model for that. That's who and so he's not only creating more work for himself, as you mentioned correctly, by having to preach more, he's sending his his pastor away, which was sometimes a very difficult thing to do.
0: And one of the one one of the best guy. He trusts Bugenhagen to get the job done, right? I mean, you know, can you send Melanchthon out there to do that? Probably maybe you would argue a waste of his talent. But you would also say, you know, we need Melanchthon for other things. And we need a a pastor. Yeah, we need somebody who's a pastor. So I kind of think that Buchenhagen is the one Luther trusts, right? He's the one that Luther really trusts, and in that way is very, very close to him. And they would have, you know, again, Agricola, Zwingli, uh, even already had cutting his teeth dealing with Karlstadt early on. Um, you know, showed himself that he would he would come down with wisdom on the right side. Um, just a list of things that he was involved in the the visitation stuff of Electoral Saxony, Torgau articles, Wittenberg articles, Wittenberg Concord, Small Caldec articles. Bugenhagen's involved in these things, right? Yeah. Um, so you really do have. I mean, you want to say Melanchthon, Bugenhagen, and Luther. You have others. You have Jonas. Jonas. You have you have others, of course, that are involved. But would it be, maybe I'll ask you, you have a better feeling for this. So if you had to pick three, those are the big three that were important. Bugenhagen, yeah. Melanchthon, and, and in, in Luther. I would say, yeah. yeah.
1: Um, um, and it's, uh, just so we don't forget to mention, it's Bugenhagen who takes care of Katie and the yep. children after Luther's death as well. Yep. Bugenhagen, you mentioned, marries them. Right. This is the big events in Luther's life. I'm marked by this. Um, I'll throw in one more thing, and then I'll, I'll let you finish, Mike. And one of Buchenhagen's works is very interesting, and I edited edited it. um, It was in Logia a while back. Someone wrote a really good article on it, and I should have looked it up. Um, But Buchenhagen has a very good piece on those who um, lose children um, through miscarriage. right? And and that's something in the parish. That's always a very hard thing to minister to, I'm guessing, for you, Mike, if you had that in the parish, as I did. Um, And... That piece is just a really good example of how pastorally Bugenhagen tried to approach these things. So, um, you know, you can look it up through Logia, but Bugenhagen, you know, um, there's I think um, an essay in the in the Wisconsin Lutheran Seminary essay file maybe on it as well. I can't remember who wrote it, um, but if you put in Bugenhagen, I think it pops up too.
0: Bugenhagen and the Lutheran Mass, Logia, uh, Dennis Marsolf. Um, how do you pronounce that? That's all the way back 1993, no, though, volume two, recent. number two. So um, we'll, we'll maybe try to find. Um,
1: yeah, I see the LCMS has... Op- uh,
0: yeah, yes. Carl Hess, The Faith of Unbaptized Infants in Bugenhagen on Unborn Children. There you go. Eastertide 2014. So, okay, there and, and
1: there's a number of things, if you pull that up, that pop up. So.
0: Okay, excellent. So, yeah, um, I think uh, underrated, the guy behind the scenes getting work done kind of thing. Um, personal relationship with Luther and Melanchthon, I believe he kinda t- takes maybe Luther Melanchthon side post Luther more often yes. than not. Um, um yeah you that, mean
1: that he takes the he's he's with the Wittenbergers after Luther's death. That so you know it's not just like Melanchthon says and they do the Wittenbergers tended to be so there's someone who studies a lot of Flacius like I do might have a few quibbles to take but Bugenhagen and also is in his writing on it is um, makes his case for why he's doing what he's doing
0: yeah so um, is intellectually his own man um, I, I what's interesting about me is that he sought out Luther sought this out as many people did and then moves to uh, Wittenberg as many people did and very quickly becomes trusted as not just an intellectual but um, as elected uh, pastor of St. Mary's and then um, eventually is going to be uh, that guy, that fixer, he's, the, he's invaluable, the one that can go out and set stuff up. Uh, if you're in a business-minded uh, position, you would think this is the guy you go to set up your, your new... You his know, his your, Michael g-
1: Cohen? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you're going to set somebody out to go fix this problem or go uh, start a new branch of your whatever. Um, here's the guy, who I keep can do with this. That joke, Nope, that we're going to be done. So we've, we've come to our end of our time. We hope you've enjoyed uh, some of the <laughs> back and forth, um, you know, and if you didn't, you know, uh, I apologize on for the, uh, on behalf of Wade for annoying you. I, and, I thank um, you for apologizing for me. So we'll be back. I have
1: a, not contrition, but what they used to call a medieval the- theology, attrition. Yeah. So I'm not sorry, but I know I should be sorry, yeah, which good. is. At least something.
0: A step in the right direction. Um, I'm not sure where we're going to come back, but we'll try to do something next week on Luther and continue this series, uh, The Life Can we, of Luther.
1: I have an idea what we should do next.
0: What's up next?
1: Um, since had... I just wrote on it for, and you read, but I wrote um, for the uh, large catechism project the Missouri Synod is doing. Um, but it ties to this because Bugenhocken is very important with the common chest in Wittenberg and elsewhere where it's set up. I was thinking maybe we could do a little bit of
0: social kind of stuff
1: yes the kind of common chest sure social welfare We've mentioned
0: those things but i would be worthy of uh further exploration. reformation and
1: wittenberg and poverty
0: Yeah, and the second uh historically what our next historical thing will be whenever we get to that i think is the second diet of spire so we will yeah. we will keep keep the train moving and eventually get i think where if we have enough energy um and still want to do it months from now um, we will not, we'll blow past the, uh, the end of Luther and of Katie and get into the post Luther sort of, uh, um, issues. So we'll, we'll, we're going to keep it. This has been good. I think we'll be, let's just set a goal for like 75 sessions. I think we can get there. Maybe not that many, 60. We'll see. I'm going to bet 60. What's your wager? <sighs>
1: What's the horizon, like within what time period? Well, whatever. If we stick at this podcast, I think we can get to 90. <laughs> well, just this we're series. We're only to 15... This series. We're in the 1520s still, and we're on 40. Yeah, the
0: series of Luther.
1: I think we're going to get to at least 80 if we keep doing
0: All right, okay. Because right. we've
1: got 16 years of his life to go still. We've got Augsburg. We've got Philip of Hesse, we're probably going to want to talk yeah, about. Yeah, true. John Small Frederick. Cold. Yeah, the Schmalkaldic Articles, the Schmalkaldic League
0: maybe my 75 was a little bit more my original Luther 75 Luther and the Jews
1: probably should be one at some point
0: maybe we'll do 100 okay we'll see alright uh, until then we hope that you will continue to um, like us on uh, whatever it is you like things Facebook. on Facebook
1: <laughs> we like likes there
0: uh, there's ratings on iTunes and stuff like that support 1517 and uh, come back uh, and continue to listen to Let the Bird Fly and as always
1: let the bird fly. You said it twice.
2: <laughs> Every evening when the sun goes down, get with my party and I begin to cry. I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just a drinker. I set him up another round. I set up another round. I set up another round. One more round won't get me down. Came home last night, all full of lush. And I said, honey, honey, I don't care what the people are thinking. I'm not drunk, I'm just drinking. I said, I'm another round. I said, love, another round. I said, love, another round. Oh, one more.